makes me feel like I'm a part of something bigger. My favorite business show. Hands down the best B2B sales and marketing podcast. The ultimate resource for salespeople. George makes me want to conquer local. An authentic entertainer. Conquer Local with Vendasta. Here's George Leaf. This is the Conquer Local podcast, the show about billion-dollar sales leaders, marketers leading local economic growth, and entrepreneurs that have created their dream organizations. They want to share their secrets, giving you the distilled version of their extraordinary feats. Our hope is, with the tangible takeaways from each episode, you can rewire, rework, and reimagine your business. I'm George Leith, and today we kick off a two-part series that is going to explain the why and the how of digital accessibility. Next week, we'll discuss the how with Elisa Smith. And this week, we welcome Tyler Demore. He's going to answer the question of why digital accessibility is becoming such a large conversation. Tyler is a leader in the accessibility space and a vocal advocate for digital inclusivity. He possesses an in-depth understanding of the legal and technical demands of ADA-related digital accessibility requirements. He participates on the member committee of the International Association of Accessibility Professionals and previously has served as the committee chairman. Get ready, Conquerors. Tyler Demore is coming up next on this week's episode of the Conquer Local Podcast. Joining me from beautiful Tucson, Arizona, Tyler Damore on the call today. Tyler, welcome to the Conquer Local Podcast. Absolutely. Thanks, George. Thanks so much for having me and uh, you know, really excited to chat today. Great seeing you again. Last time we uh, saw each other, we were in beautiful L.A. for the Locology Convention, and I started to learn about how important accessibility on websites are. And uh, producer Brett was telling me when you guys were doing the pre-interview, you've got a really great analogy as to why this is important. So first, um, you are with a company called AudioEye. We covered that off in the intro. Let's get right into it. What is accessibility? And then I'd love to hear your analogy that you have. I hear this analogy is awesome. Absolutely. Yeah, George. I, I think, you know, I got to say like 11 years, 11 years ago when starting uh, AudioEye and start, starting there, I remember telling my, my, my friends and family like, oh, I'm, I'm working in web accessibility. And I think for the first like Two years of me working at my organization, they were they thought I was selling Wi-Fi or doing something around there, but because uh, it's it's such a new topic, right? But as we as we start to go digital as a, as a as a world, and we're doing this modernization project around around the world, uh, specifically in the U.S., everywhere we're we're not going to our banks anymore. We're going online. We're not going to uh, you know Target as much anymore. We go to Target.com if we need to get something. We have it shipped to our door, right? We're everything's going digital. Um, and with that being said, we have to make sure that everyone can go digital, right? Just like at a building, if I went to a building and I went to target and I was a wheelchair user, the, the target's going to have ramps and rails. They're going to make sure that they have, you know, all the correct infrastructure put in there so that a person with a disability can, can navigate target just like any other user, um, or customer. And as we go digital, we have to make sure that's the same with our online properties and our online ecosystems. We have to make sure that individuals that are blind have access 
to, to websites. We have to make sure that people that have dyslexia, that maybe an individual that has um, epilepsy and you have flashing content on your website. So I always like to think of it as the ramps and the rails of the digital world, right? And we need to make sure that those ramps and rails of the digital world are accessible to everybody. And if we do that, we can create independence. Um, and, and, and people with disabilities, they don't have to rely, if I'm a blind individual, I don't have to rely on someone taking me to Target, going and getting my shopping done. If the website's accessible, the independence that it creates for me is next level. I've never had that type of independence before, right? Um, and that's really what's what's important. So the analogy we always like to say is, you know, digital accessibility is the ramps and rails of, of our of our digital worlds, um, and is really important, uh, you know, for everyone to be able to access. But and so when producer Brett was telling me that analogy earlier, I'm like, I just want to go out and make sure that everybody I know has this on their website. Because it is something that I can really buy into. And by the way, wasn't even thinking about it before. It's not something that, it, but it's, God, I'm stupid sometimes because this just makes sense. So tell me how Audio Eye was born. I, I hear that that's a great story. Absolutely. Yeah. So it was, it's kind of one of those stories, right? Where we had a personal connection to it. We, um, you know, at the time, we have two brothers that are co founders. Uh, I was working at the company very early with them as well. And one of the brothers developed a, um, a disease in his eyes that's going to make him go blind uh, within, you know, with time. He's going to lose his vision more and more. And at the time, we were running a really large uh, agency. And the agency was making QR codes connected to websites. And we were doing projects for Ford. We we're doing projects for Kellogg, all these big projects. And all of a sudden, we looked back and we're like, whoa none of the sites that we're building are accessible for people with disabilities. Uh, how do people with disabilities access the web? And, and, and with what one of our co-founders, he's looking at it from a standpoint of this very large tech leader that potentially was he not going to be able to access the web? Um, and that's really where we started. And we, we looked at that and we looked at digital accessibility as a whole. We're like, there's millions and millions of websites and there's only going to be more and more. We have to find a way to scale this. We have to find a way to get education out. We have to find a way to build the web to become accessible because if we do, it's going to create the most independence for people with disabilities that we've ever seen before. Um, and that's really where we were born and where we were founded was that personal connection to saying, hey, there, you know, I'm, I'm potentially, in our co-founder saying, I'm, I'm potentially going to have a, a disability that's going to alter the way that I live my life. So we need to go find a solution to make sure that uh, you know, I can still access and do the daily tasks that I want to do. Well, and you know, a lot of times great concepts like that are born out of necessity, out of something that we, we got to get this thing figured out. The, the, uh, what's the total addressable market of this opportunity? I'm sure you know, our audience is digital agency owners, media companies, telecommunication. It's all the sales professionals and they want to serve the largest audience possible. And I'm sure that their customers, the hardware stores, the plumbers, the restaurants, the, you name it, they want to serve the largest customer base so what, what does that total addressable market look like for this? Yeah, that's a great question, George. I mean, it's always, it's always difficult to look at digital accessibility and try to figure this question out um, because really websites would be accessible for everybody. Um, so about 20%, this is, this is kind of the statistics that we, that we utilize to try to back into like, what is that total, total addressable market? Is 20% of uh, the population has some form of disability that's going to alter the way that they interact with digital technology. And that could mean someone that is low vision. Maybe they need to increase their font. Like how many of us take our iPhone and increase that font size? 
right? <laughs> yep, George, George, absolutely. Hand right? up. And, and you know, <laughs> hand up. There we go. Um, so it's the same thing, you know. How there's so that twenty percent. How many of us just have color blindness? We want to, you know, one of one of our employees here at Audio Eye loves to just take our filters and make a black background for any of the websites that they're on. It helps them with their migraines. So that's twenty percent of the population now. When we look at every, you know, how many websites need to do this? Is it just government websites? Is it just, you know, education sites? Is it is it just credit unions, banks? No, it's every single website that touches. You're not going to tell an individual with disability that, hey, you can go to this restaurant, but you can't go to that bank, and you can go to this store, but you can't go to that store. Um, it's every store needs to be accessible, right? Every building needs to be accessible. It's the same thing with websites, and the infrastructure of it it makes it a lot more affordable, a lot more feasible to do. Uh, to make those sites accessible. So the total addressable market, I would say, you know, look at that 20% of the population. Um, that means that maybe 20% of your total site traffic has some form of a disability that's altering the way that they're interacting with your with your technology. Um, and then there's also this, this view. And uh, George, I, you know, this was something I learned when coming into the market of, of, of the situational or temporary disability, right? Maybe I broke my right arm. And at the time that I broke my right arm, I now can't really use a keyboard that well. So am I, am I utilizing a tab function more? Am I utilizing certain accessibility features? Um, you know, and, and, and maybe I have a, I'm holding a baby and when I'm holding a baby, I'm now need to do some type of text to speech for me um, because it's making it better. So all of these tools that we do, a lot of them are features for people with disabilities and they turn to be features for everybody in a universal design aspect. Well, that let's talk about that because, you know, when you first were bringing this up and you mentioned um, the, the epilepsy component, well, my niece suffers from that. And I don't want my niece going to some website and, and having a seizure. Like, you don't want that. So we don't have to look too far inside our circle to find individuals. And then you bring it up and you're like, well, low vision. Uh, do you have to raise your... I'm like, whoa, that's me, old guy here. Um, <laughs> eyes are starting to go to shit. And so all of us. And then you bring up this situational one, which I think is another component. And you did touch briefly on colorblindness, which uh, Sean Schroeder on our team, he always talks about that. I think he uses it as an excuse. But my, my point <laughs> is, is you can build an experience, either situational, or you build an experience for that market that exists. So there's probably a, a number on the market, but the situational thing, we could come in and out of those components um, you know, my, my daughter and son-in-law are having a baby. She's going to be one of those people with a baby on the arm and needs the ability to, you know, so it's such a, now that you start thinking about it, it's like, why the hell wouldn't every website on earth just have to have this? So that's my next question. Is there any sort of government oversight saying, if you're going to be in the website business, you have to offer this yet? Absolutely. So I'll start with kind of like, what is the guideline, right? So from like a blueprint perspective, if, if I was, I have a blueprint of how I build a house accessible for people with disabilities, right? There's a, there's a guideline. I have ramps and rails. I put braille on the bathrooms. There's a guideline that I follow. In the digital world, we have what's called the web content accessibility guidelines. And the web content accessibility guidelines are the guidelines that you're going to follow to make sure that your digital assets are accessible. Now they're going to be, you know, for all different types of, of disabilities. It, it's really looking at it from a perspective of, of, you know, individuals with epilepsy, low vision, assistive technology users that are blind. Um, that's what the web content accessibility guidelines are. The web content accessibility guidelines, you'll also hear them referred to as WCAG. We always say the cool kids say WCAG. 
Um, and that, that's really that, that guideline. Now we are at, we're currently, uh, on the 2.1 standards. We are at the double A is really the gold standard that you want to be at. There's a triple A standard, which is the highest level of conformance, but double A is really where you want to be focused at. With inside those guidelines, there's also different regulations that go by country. So in the United States, we have the Americans with Disabilities Act. Disabilities Act is has three different titles. And with Title Three, it states that websites are it states that public places of accommodation have to be accessible for people with disabilities. What the what is is happening in the courtrooms is that is that judge in, in the courtrooms keep on deciding that websites are a public place of accommodation. Therefore, a website has to be accessible for people with disabilities under Title III of the ADA. And how do you make a website accessible for a person with a disability? You follow the WCAG guidelines. So I feel like I should have like a Venn diagram out showing this, right? And, and like breaking this all out. But yes, you know, George, to answer your question, there are different regulations. In, in, in Canada, um, you have the, the uh, AODA, which is, is the Ontario Disabilities Act which states, you know, you have to be accessible. Um, if not, you can be fine. We are seeing businesses get fined up to $50,000, some, sometimes a hundred to 200 not being accessible. And this isn't just happening to your major enterprises, your, you know, targets of the world or, or so forth. This is happening to small, medium-sized businesses everywhere. We're seeing tens of thousands of demand letters um, and legal, legal letters going out stating you're not meeting the criteria therefore you're 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 you know creating a, a risk for your business and and getting hit with these lawsuits everywhere and it seems to me like we're early on this like if we were to look across yes. all of the websites that exist on earth what do you think the penetration of the solution is i would say like five percent of the web is accessible today um and, and it's it's crazy because like from where we started you know i started digital accessibility back in 2011 is when i when i joined into the industry um from there, you know, where we are today, it, it seems like it's so much more popular. But if you talk to the average website owner, they don't really know what it is yet. So we're still so early, even though even though I feel like we've like charged the mountain and we've got like really, really close to the peak because people like we're on this podcast. We're talking about digital accessibility. We're so far advanced than where we were three years ago, five years ago. It's still just so new. Um, it's so new until clients are getting lawsuits on their desk mm -hmm. or until a user with a disability, which I think is even worse, reaches out to you and says, Hey, I can't access your site, which to me just is like, if I was a business owner and someone's and someone with a disability sent that to me, I'd feel like crap. I'd feel like I wasn't being inclusive. No, that, you know, that's the thing that, that I was getting to. Sometimes we need a lawsuit to be a catalyst. It's like data protection. We're seeing some of those lawsuits start to happen. It's not even lawsuits. They're just getting fined by the government because businesses aren't, and this is happening in Europe. That's where GDPR was kind of yep. born and, and that's where it's growing from. And now it's moving into the North American market. But I, I, I think I feel a hell of a lot worse when I know that there were a bunch of people trying to access my website yesterday and made a decision to shop with a competitor because I didn't create an environment where they were able to do business with me. And, and we wouldn't yep. let that happen if somebody was, I love your analogy, if they were sitting in a wheelchair at the doorway and weren't able to imp get into my business, that would feel pretty bad. So why don't we create yep. an environment where people are able to, now, you and I both know that you've been preaching the evangel, uh, you've been evangelizing this since 2011. Is it the lawsuits and now the fact there's government oversight? Is that the catalyst to a, to a growth period now? Or do you think that people are becoming more aware that I need to create this environment? I, I think 
I think legal has advanced the awareness of digital accessibility, right? It's, 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 it's made it from a factor of, Hey, I need to do this. Um, I could get hit with a lawsuit. It's, it, it's gaining traction. It's gaining, gaining press, you know, Hey, if XYZ company got hit with a, you know, got hit with a lawsuit that that's going to make the, that's going to make the headline. That's going to make the, the press and, and that's going to draw attention associations, We'll pick this up and start talking to the members of the association to really drive it forward. Um, I also think one of the things that's driving digital accessibility of, uh, uh, like really forward right now is making it more available. And I always have a saying that accessibility isn't accessible unless it's available. And what I mean by that is that you have to make it affordable and you have to make it available for these SMB organizations. If I came to an SMB business tomorrow and I said, hey, I want you to make your website accessible. And I said, it's going to cost $15,000. There's no way that we're going to be able to do that. So at AudioWide, one of our big missions is how can we make this affordable? How can we make this a no-brainer where if I'm a business, I can spend you know, a couple hundred dollars to make my site accessible. I can, I can afford to do this uh, because I know that it's the right thing to do. I know it's going to protect me from a legal, you know, uh, it's going to protect me from a legal side of it, but also it's the right thing to do. And, so I think it's a little bit right. We're getting both of those sides. Yeah. And you're right. It, it has to be affordable um, for the business owner. It can't put them out of business because they had to spend the money. But it, you know, the, yeah. the other thing that we're seeing is if I wanted to open a new business tomorrow and I didn't have a, a wheelchair accessible washroom, it's not going to work out for me. I won't get the opening. I won't open because the, 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 jur- the, the jurisdictions won't let me open that. So in our virtual doorway, do you see it getting to a point where, you know, the authorities are going to say, no, you can't have that virtual store if you don't have this level of accessibility. That's kind of what the laws were created for. Absolutely. And we're already seeing that, right? With the ADA Title Three stating that websites um, you know, our public places of accommodation and a public place of accommodation is a website. They are starting to say that, um, you know, so it's, it's, it's the regulations are going to say it's a cost of doing business. Um, and we will continue to, uh, to adopt this and make it more available and more affordable for everyone to do. Um, and that's really our goal here. But yeah, I, I do agree. Like it, 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 the regulations are just going to continue to to make this, and and it's going to become something, George. That I think it's like it's table stakes, right? You don't you don't have a website without having the website be secure, and it's going to be the same thing. You don't have a website without that website being accessible, and that's really where where we are going to go. That's where the trend is starting, um, and pretty soon it's going to be something where you know, and I don't say pretty soon as in next two years, three years, maybe this is a little bit down the line, but if we do our jobs correct and, 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 and if us, not only as an accessibility company that focuses on this, but as a community, if we do what is right, um, we will, we will be looking at a lot more inclusive, you know, digital ecosystem in the next five years, not only from websites, but from apps, from the VR world, you know, everything that we're doing will be designed and developed with inclusivity in mind. One question that I, I have to ask because of the audience that listens to the Conquer Local podcast, and a lot of it is made up of, of people who sell to small businesses, a stack of, of digital solutions. Do you believe that a business owner might make the decision to deal with one provider over another because this is a part of the solution? Are you seeing this as a, as a, a deal um, acquisition um, game changer? I like, I just have a feeling that if I'm up against two other agencies and I have accessibility, I'm probably going to win the website build. 
Oh, absolutely. Right. Because look at this from an agency perspective. If I am a client of an agency and all of a sudden that agency builds me a website and then I get hit with a digital accessibility lawsuit, I, I'm going to go point that finger right back at the agency and say, why did you hand me a liability? Why did you hand me this lawsuit that just landed on my desk? Right. So uh, we work with tons of agencies. And one of the big things that we do with our agencies is say, look, offer accessibility, teach and, and make sure that your clients know. And if they opt not to do it, they know now that that was an option that they did. Now the risk is on them um, and, 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 and offer that to them. But another thing that we're doing from the from the other side of it is that we're making it so that, uh, you know, clients are asking their digital agencies that, hey, it's table stakes. Website accessibility needs to be my SOW. Web accessibility needs to be part of your offering. So we're seeing agencies now just kind of bundle it into their entire package and saying, look, we're not going to offer, we're not going to build websites without accessibility in mind because we know that that could be putting our clients and putting a potential lawsuit or risk on their desk. And if we're going to be very transparent upfront, if they don't want to do it, that's on them. But we're going to definitely make sure that they know what they're getting into before we launch their website. You almost need them to sign off on it. Like if exactly. I'm going to buy yep. a website and I'm going to say no to the solution over here, you sign off that you're taking the, the responsibility. So you're, I guess what you're saying, Tyler, is there's a push into the market where people are leading going into the market saying, I have this and this is why you should choose me. But there also is a pull where the market is saying, I'm not going to choose a provider. I'm looking on the website. If they don't have ADA compliance as one of their value propositions, I'm just going to go somewhere where they do. Absolutely. Yeah, I can tell a great story from one of our one of our big organizations that we work with. But the, this is a, a very, very large uh, enterprise platform. And they had a client um, that was you know, one of the top three companies in the world. And that company does not let their vendors contract with them unless their vendors state that they are digitally accessible. You cannot do business with with this organization if you don't have that your your product meeting the WCAG you know, guidelines. So immediately what we're starting to see is, is, is that it's, it's creating this swell of, of people creating digital accessible products and, and offerings because they know that their biggest customers, their biggest clients aren't going to be able to do anything unless those products are accessible. Well, it's been great getting a, a lesson in why this is so important and what the opportunity is for our, um, for our guests that, or for our listeners, um, because it's something that, you know, before I'd heard about you folks, I, I, of course I'd heard about it, but I didn't realize that the market had matured to this point and I didn't realize the demand that's coming. So in prep for the episode, I'd started asking some people and they're like, oh, I've heard about that and I know I need to do it is kind of what, what I heard in just my straw man poll of a couple business owners that I knew. It Are, are you, you know, I, I want to make sure that our audience understands, even though that you guys have been around for a while and you've been in the space for a long time, we're still, there's 95% of the market that hasn't adopted. Absolutely. It's still, there's still so much. I mean, I would look, if I was a digital accessibility, you know, a digital agency, I would look at accessibility and I would say, okay, if I have a hundred clients, how many of clients have asked me about this? How many clients have an accessible environment? What does that look like? And in in you know when we first come into all the agencies that we work with, it's so low. Well, some great opportunities for our channel partners to adopt this new solution. We have your um, colleague joining us on the next episode. 
um, and we're going to learn some more about ADA solutions and specifically audio eye and how you guys can help. But Tyler, thanks for educating us today on this edition of the Conquer Local podcast. We really appreciate your time. Absolutely, George. Thank you so much. And thanks for having us today. Um, we're really excited too to have Elisa on, uh, on, on the channel and she'll definitely dive deeper into the actual specifics of how to make sites accessible, what to look for and so forth. So thanks again for having us. And uh, you know, th thanks everyone for listening and, and, and learning more about digital accessibility. Ty, thank you for joining us this week. We're excited to have your colleague, Elisa Smith, join us next week on how we can implement everything that we discussed today. 20% of your addressable market will have a disability that alters their digital experience. It's not just government and large business that need to adjust. This is a statistic for customers of any industry that we happen to be operating in. Being proactive with digital accessibility can not only reduce liability and unfortunate conversations with your customers, but it also allows you to prepare for the maturing legislation and guidelines saying that this is a necessity for conducting your business digitally. We see large organizations turning down contracts because partners aren't confident in stating that they're digitally accessible. You're going to miss out on RFP opportunities if you don't have this. And this is the new business environment that we're entering. When you think about your own circles, you don't have to go that far down the line to find somebody close to you that has an accessibility effect. I alluded to my niece with epilepsy, even myself that my eyesight is failing in the last couple of years, or my good friend and colleague Sean Schroeder that is colorblind. It's a lot closer to home than we may think. And this is what we need to consider when creating our digital presence. If you like Ty's episode discussing digital accessibility, we should continue the conversation. Check out episode 341, Forcing Function for Digital Transformation with Marty Fisher. Please subscribe and leave us a review. Thanks for joining us this week on the Conquer Local Podcast. My name is George Leith. I'll see you when I see you. You've been listening to the Conquer Local Podcast presented by Vendasta. Guest discovery by Zoe Schneider. Marketing by Rory Lawford and Nicole Lozon. Produced by Brett Clarenbach. Executive producers Brendan King, George Leith and Colleen McGrath. Recorded at Sound Lounge by T-Bone.